0: Hello, this is Elijah Augustin. I'm a new new Jabba Jabba Numbal Jugan man from North of Broome, WA, and I'm recording from Reservoir Melbourne, Victoria, which is located on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. I would also like to acknowledge that Braided is part of the Artful Dodgers Studios, a community space. On the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation, which has the rich Aboriginal history and we support the ongoing commitment towards those stories being seen and told. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and future and recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the first storytellers of this land. Sovereignty Has never been seeded.
1: Testing, testing, one, one, two, three.
0: Every time I just hit record and just say,
2: We'll start from the start. Hello, there's this thing on.
0: Here and there, really. (laughs) (laughs) Does that sound alright?
2: Certified baddie. (laughs) If you like some elements but you don't like others, keep the bits that you like. I'm your host Matisse
3: and I'm your host Agum and And you're you're listening listening to Braided. Braided. Whoops, (laughs) is it me or you?
2: I'll say action. (laughs) Okay. Action. Three, two, Two, one, one. action. (laughs) 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 Okay, I'll do it. All right. And you're listening to Braided.
3: On this episode of Braided, we are going to bring you a story from Kim, whose lockdown scrolling led to a surprisingly deep dive into her own cultural identity.
2: We'll also listen in on Georgia and Elijah practice hosting and interviewing techniques in one of our Braided workshops. And of course, Reggie will give us the latest in their COVID world updates. But first, we're going to play you some tape from a conversation we had back in June.
3: Okay, let's go! Let's go! Let us go! (laughs) Today is the 10th of June and I am going to talk to Matisse and catch up with her. Since everything is relaxed now, um, people are busy back to work. Okay, so... Oh, hello. (laughs) I got some funky hair going on. Um, I just woke up one day and I decided to go to a salon and cut my hair. Now I tell you, after I cut it, I was like, what the fuck? Like I was like, what did I just do? No, this was this was before extension. Spa. I put a little bit of extension at the front, right? So it's like a um, do we, do we call it a mahog? What is it, Mohog? Yeah. So um, now I have a proper Mohog. Um, before that, it was something I don't even know.
2: Oh, my God, a gum. (laughs) You're actually too much, sis.
3: (laughs) It's a gum. I'm just a mess. (laughs) Anyway.
2: Okay, so we didn't just talk about hair. We also talked about what it's been like living with COVID when you have kids,
3: the babies. Yep. The children. Them. My son is having a nap beside me, and he's sucking his hands, and I can hear everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm, I'm I'm doing the recording in my living room, so he's sleeping in the couch, and he's just sucking his <laughs> hand, and it's just like, it's like a little bat some <laughs> stuck somewhere <laughs> in a cave.
2: How old How old is this son? How old is this? This one, one? is
3: almost four. This is a tear.
2: Hi, hey, tear. Say hello, tear. How, how are they going with the lockdown?
3: Yeah, it's been a next level. I think first couple of weeks I was okay. Uh, we were loving the fact that we could sleep in and cuddle up together. And then it just became surreal and they didn't want it. They were screaming, I was screaming, everybody was screaming. Um, it just got into a screaming match. And then I decided, well, okay, I think we can go for a walk. Like get out and go for a walk, and then that whole walk too was full of me panicking. Um, how close is he touching a dog? Is he is he touching any item? And my son is the kind of boy who touches everything outside. Um, I never knew that until then, and I was paranoid the entire time. Even him pressing the lift—it's one of his favorite things because we live in a high-rise. So I live in level fourteen and we have to use the lift to go down when we go in there he must press it and i think it was one of the biggest challenges believe it or not but you know even my son just teething with like just right after coronavirus i was like does he have coronavirus everything was just like you know questioned. yeah but then he was just teething But, yeah, it's different experience, I could say. I think, it, it, yeah, it just everything just became really, yeah. Hmm.
2: I can't imagine having that added stress of looking after a child during this time. I consider myself a child and I can barely look after me, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you become an adult when you have a child sometimes. I, that's how oh, I like to think of it. Oh, please let me
2: babysit a girl, please.
3: Oh, you don't want to. Girl, after this, I am willing to give them to anybody, even a horse, to babysit them. <laughs> 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 you can have them. You can have them for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, my God. That
2: was when we thought it was all over. Agum, how are you going
3: now? Um. <laughs> I'm not crying, I promise. Oh,
2: my God, darling. Are, are they gaining more understanding as to what is going on or are they just getting more frustrated because they can't go outside?
3: I think they are more frustrated that they are not able to go outside as much as it, you know, as much as they want, and you know, "Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star" is getting boring. Um, "Old MacDonald Farm" is becoming a just a simple song. <laughs> Nothing is special anymore. Um, so it's just it's becoming. Increasingly <laughs> difficult I'm, I'm going to be a mom and be strong But it's not easy I don't know I'm, I'm like freaking losing my brain um, I have short memory span right now And you know everything is just like slow It's like zombie land But you know I'm happy I'm more glad that I, we are all safe um, No one is unwell or so so that is a great thing to be thankful for.
2: A hundred percent.
3: So yeah, uh, we will get through it. That's all. Mm. or Agum can do it.
2: Mommy Agum can do anything. We'll get you a horse to babysit <laughs> if that's what you said you need, girl.
3: <laughs> I think I think the, horse themse- the horses themselves will not will not want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
2: With the lockdown making us all a little introspective, Kim Handley found herself unexpectedly thinking about her Vietnamese heritage, after seeing incense trending on the pages of Instagram. With the microphone in hand, Kim started asking her mum questions and discovered in herself something she hadn't realized was missing.
3: Here's Kim Handley with Between Heaven and Earth.
1: I'd purchased this box of incense. It comes in a matte white embossed box, monochromatic. It's made in Japan, designed in LA by a brand that stubbed itself the Therapeutic Perfumer, who can help you come back to yourself through the power of scent. This scent is called Purify, and it costs about $42. Contrast this with the incense I grew up with. I'm holding some of it now. It's wrapped in plastic and the base of the tube has been compacted so that it forms the shape of a hexagon. It's vibrantly colored with reds, blues, greens, and there's a bright yellow Buddha right in the middle. Down the bottom, there's a large number one sign and two thumbs up with Dark Viac written. It means special in Vietnamese, like when you go to a restaurant for a special occasion and order a dish that's Dark Viac to celebrate. These two kinds of incense are vastly different, but I own both of them. Incense has always been in my life not in a day-to-day way but when i'd go to the temple with my mum or as part of ceremonies like weddings and funerals to be honest i hadn't thought much about incense since i was a kid but then i started to discover these aesthetically driven brands on instagram I wondered, why is it through the influence of people on social media that I'm suddenly seeing Incense as relevant for the first time in years? So I wanted to talk to someone who'd been connected to Incense pre-influencer culture. So I reached out to one of the few non-Instagram users I know, my mum. It's a winter afternoon in Footscray. I've just had lunch with my mum, and now we're about to settle down and have a chat. Hello, Mum. Hi, Kim. Can you please introduce yourself?
4: Oh, My name is Bin. I work at Footscray West Primary School. I've been in Australia for more than 30 years. I'm from Vietnam. I have two daughters, and so I live in Footscray.
1: We're sitting opposite each other in the middle room of our West Footscray family home, on worn, stained IKEA pillow chairs. We would never throw anything away in this house. <laughs> mum is wearing her home clothes, grey tracksuits, socks and Crocs. I wanted to start at the start, so I asked my mum what her first memory of incense was.
4: As soon as I have a memory as a kid, I always see incense in my family mm. every day. It's like traditional practice in all the Asian families. To me, it's a normal thing. It's like you're drinking water or you eat dry every day. Up until this point,
1: I hadn't realised it was such a normal part of my mum's life, like brushing your teeth, a ritual done in the same place in your home twice every single day. But unlike brushing your teeth, I was learning incense contains deeper meaning in
4: people's lives. Incense is, I think, the connection between our living world and the spirit world. And usually in the family, it's always someone who passed away. That's why every family we have the altar to remember the ancestor or the loved one that passed away. So incense is just the kind of connect and offering the warmth, the memory, something like that. I always remember the, the, the smell the incense caught it's a familiar smell. As soon as you walk in the temple, it will remind you at the altar, you remember the event that happened, the New Year, the temple, everything to do with the celebration, even during the wedding. We offer the incense to the ancestor as well before that we um, start the ceremony.
1: For my mum, incense is a way to remember previous generations of family members. It seems to be less about the specifics of what you know and more about tapping into a feeling of respect, warmth, and gratitude. Did you continue to practice the incense ritual when you first came? Or what about when you left Vietnam, like after that?
4: After I left Vietnam, I won the refugee game. I don't think I can do anything with incense, not allowed to do anything about it anyway. When I come to Australia, we don't do a lot of the, the incense ritual because the uh, house structure here is different. When it's kind of cold or the house close up, you can't use incense in how that much at all because it can be dangerous. So usually, if we use incense, had to be outdoor. Just use it occasionally in a very big event like New Year or a couple of festival or something like that. Not daily practice at all because it's very hard to do it here. So usually, people get use the electric incense like you see. Require a lot now. But as it turns out, there are some rituals my
1: mum still participates in.
4: When I. Come back to Vietnam at Min.: That's my mum's brother.: Yeah He always asked me to go and light the incense, put it in the water. I think when you were temple the same, you will go to the hall and light the incense and, and then you do something else. So when you
1: went back, every time you went back, you had to light incense when you yeah. went to his
4: house. supposed to be get light yeah till so, like, us I'm home.: Good so, light, like, you tell you. And sister, or you know, your love when I'm home.
1: So sad. Mm. I'm in
3: love Mm. with you.
1: The home my mum is talking about is in Saigon's 10th district, where she lived with her parents and nine siblings until she escaped Vietnam to pursue a better life. I visited once before when I was 19 and still remember the first night I spent there. After arriving at Minh's house, we walked to the building next door and ate bun Sao, one of my favourite Vietnamese dishes. After dinner, I went to bed early. Lying there, I became overwhelmed with homesickness. My cousins, aunties and uncles had all been so nice to me. But it's hard to feel at home when you don't have the confidence to say basic Vietnamese phrases like, can we go fabric shopping tomorrow? Why don't you have an altar
4: in your home? Yeah, I know that. I feel, I feel a bit sad about it because my <laughs> my daughter and I don't know much about it at all. I'm not very strong Buddhist. Sorry about it, but <laughs> yeah. So that's why. And I went. Um, I go to the temple, um, you know, occasionally. But I'm not like strong follower. Even though it's, I thought it my in my mind. I'm not like um, follow the the. the the routine or the ritual but to me it like it's, today. it's in, in your mind, in your spirit. Yeah. It's very hard though, for you but harder because I didn't practice it at home. So it's hard for you to feel that you belong to because I, I didn't have altar at home. I did I took you to temple when you're little but then you when you didn't want to go, I didn't force, I didn't take you to classes to learn about, you know, Buddhas or whatever. So
1: When I was young, I remember my mum taking me to the temple in Ao Yai, Vietnamese traditional dress. I posed enthusiastically for photos before we left, but that excitement quickly dissipated once I got to the temple. With my brown hair and Western facial features, I knew that I was different and stood out as Ngu Lai, a crossbreed. I haven't worn Al Yai since then. Being different was something my mum experienced in Vietnam as well. Because despite the fact she was born there, she was actually ethnically Chinese.
4: Very hard to look like a heaven on earth. Heaven and earth. I'm in between. In Vietnam, I'm not even Chinese. I'm not quite a Vietnamese because a Vietnamese do don't consider me as Vietnamese. But I have a Chinese, I can't either because I can't speak Chinese. You can't read Chinese, how can you be Chinese if you can't do that? But the Vietnamese, as of they, they see my face, they see my surname, they know that I'm Chinese background. And then they knew it, and um, that was hard, You sort of not, you know, there. And then when I'm here, another sentence happened again. I don't worry between heaven and earth. <laughs> Have you always thought that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. You don't feel. You don't. It's very hard though, because like even even though I, I live in Australia for a long time, a lot of people don't, don't consider me as Australia. You know what I mean? And we look at me, so I will see as Asian, right? That sort of. And then with would may when I go to, when I go back to Vietnam they will They will think that oh that's an australian that's a Vietnam Australian Vietnamese or what very cool like overseas Vietnamese. I am not Vietnamese Vietnamese anymore so and then things change very quickly over there. I'm not quite nothing there now, and so no why it it's always like that i I feel like always like that I'm always in between yeah it's not like nothing to, to be to feel like that, but I said, lucky that you, you know, not that lucky that you can feel completely who you are.
1: I, I think mum's internalised a lot of her emotions rather than talk about it.
0: I think that's a the dominant way they've they've coped the whole the whole lot of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it. I do it as well.
0: No, but I think um, the focus on arriving in a new country has just been to put all in the back of your mind. Just put your head down and um, and I think it's going to. I reckon it all comes out um, in that eventually
1: he's right. It does come out in me when a flippant one-dimensional comment is made about Asians being hard-working and I feel offended without knowing or being able to articulate why. Next thing you know you're stepping out of the office and having a cry in the elevator. (laughs) I think the most hurtful thing about these stereotypes is that they just don't reflect the depth of who my mum is
4: chân chân nó you learned it 2020 has
1: been a crazy year but it's helped me figure out what i really want when i was in vietnam i was really confused because some people in the north taught me
4: gamon that's right as a kid i remember saying gamon that's right. The sound is a ơn, the noise is a ơn, all the sound, thank you. <laughs> that is the thing. That is the language, Vietnamese language is very complicated. I want to learn
1: Vietnamese so that I can talk to my family members and really begin to understand the subtleties of our culture. As for my mum, this is what she wants.
4: want to know how to swim. <laughs> we can make that happen. No, I can't. I try a couple of Thai not Yeah, yes, that's true, but it doesn't make me to know how to swim. I try it when I'm young. this the a lesson, <laughs> no, it's no succeeds. <laughs> Too hard. Surely you can, like, you
1: know, you can still learn. It's a good
4: try. Mm. Anyway, it's my dream, maybe one day. <laughs>
3: That's really that is nice. That's
2: so beautiful.
3: I mean, it's something I see within our community as well as Sudanese community. Uh, we have children that that have been born in other parts of the world that uh, don't know so much about uh, our culture or you know around where they come from. And so yeah, it's really nice that this time is actually able to open doors and opportunities for. Those that like Kim, um, it's good yeah. that it there's an opportunity for them to, to have yeah. that time to questions.
2: I relate to I relate to that so much as well. Mm. Like the whole the whole thing about connecting with the culture, you know.
3: Yeah. So thank you, Kim. Thank you. Okay, it is time for Reggie's update. <laughs>
5: Hi, hey it's Reggie, Reggie's update. update. It's March, April, May, June, July. This is a Reggie's update. Um, it is the 1st of July 2020. It is 1.46pm. I wanna start off today's little note session by talking about empathy and empaths. I consider myself an empath or a highly sensitive person um, and it's not something I take on lightly. I've been reading a book about empaths um, and how empaths tend to tune to people's emotions to real. like. I, th- I think that the biggest thing for me is when I am um, talking to someone and they're telling me something that's happening in their life that is really painful, I feel their pain too on multiple levels. Like if they are having like a headache or they have neck pain, I can almost feel those pains as well. Um, I went through a lot of trauma when I was younger and I think that it kind of irregulated my emotions a lot. And I didn't have a point in time when I could say that these emotions shouldn't take hold of me too much, but I feel like I learned a lot of the way to block it all out. Um, And I have blocked out a lot of emotions over the years, and I feel like those memories tied to those emotions are kind of suppressed, and I feel like a lot of times when I try to do something, or try to evoke those memories, they're sealed shut. I think it's more of a self-defense mechanism than anything else. I think that when I go out to nature, when there's nothing out there, or there's like, little, like, stimuli to stop me from doing what I want to do, I can process my emotions a lot easier, and I feel like a lot of the times when it comes to going out to the nature, like, I love going to the Yarra Ranges, going to Warrandite and sitting by the river. That helps so much because I can process my emotions and I can process, like, the day-ins and day-outs of my life and also reflect deeply on myself. I find that sometimes when you're in a busy environment like the city, you can't really do that. Well, I can't really do that, I should say you know you've just got to keep looking out for new ideas new ways to process these emotions and it's come to my realization recently within the last week that maybe i should look into you know looking how to work as an empath um because you know i could be a healer i could i could do many good things for the world but i just need to learn how to take a hold of these emotions that people give me and kind of like turn it into a conductive way that isn't damaging to my own mental health um thank you for listening this is ready's update thank you goodbye
3: That is awesome.
2: I relate to that so much as a Pisces. I feel everything on such a heightened level.
3: Holy shit. no wonder I feel this, you know, um, what do you call Moana Moana vibe <laughs> with you? <laughs> Islands gal fishes and yes. mermaids and <laughs> and shellfish. <laughs> and, oh my goodness, I'm a Mauritian
2: Pisces, you know, it's I can just see wet. that.
3: Oh wow Your hair is dripping already I can see that Like you have some curls everywhere (laughs) (laughs) Okay that's it from us
2: Wait wait First before we go We're going to listen to Elijah and Georgia Practice hosting Just like me and Agum Ah. In one of our earlier braided workshops Great Here we go The taking over
1: Bye-bye. Hi, my name is Georgia Walmart and I'm here today with...
0: Elijah Augustine.
1: And we're going to talk about music. Do you have any favourite music videos?
0: Is at the time we used to watch the video hits and all that. Well, I've been watching, well, myself, been watching the music videos of the Foo Fighters, Blink-182, Green Day, Just Lee Harding, Shakira.
1: Yeah.
2: And stuff like that, yeah.
1: Yeah, awesome. I love Shakira and yeah, all the other bands that you mentioned actually. I really love Green Day as well. I've been listening to a lot of that at the moment. I think my favorite is Holiday and Boulevard of Broken Dreams, when the songs are combined. They just flow really nicely and I just love it every time.
0: Yeah, most of the songs are easy to play on the guitar, but Their songs are, well, most of them are two to three minutes long.
1: Yeah. Why are they easy to play on the guitar?
0: Just the riffs they play, just a simple melody to play.
1: Yeah, cool. And I'm sure they're also very enjoyable to play as well. So that would probably add to it, I think. And there you have it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you all have a good day. And I hope this has inspired you to go and look at your favorite music videos.
2: No, I think Georgia and Elijah are giving us a run for our money, Agum. We have to be careful.
3: We need to keep our job secure. (laughs) Okay, gotta go, my son, and need a nappy change. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Mwah, mwah, mwah.
2: Bye. Okay, now we're really going. Episode 5 is out soon. Check the podcast feed for fresh eps.
3: Breaded is a production of Artful Dodgers Studios. This season is produced by Elijah Augustine, Reggie Cheng, Kim Handley, Danny Hilaire, Matisse Leila, Mary, Georgia Wilmot,
2: and Agum Maluach. Plus, mentored and produced by Michelle Macklem, Joel Supple, Louise Terry, Jay Kranz, and Guiding Light from Bethany Atkinson Quinton.
3: We are forever grateful for our beautiful Miss Angeliki Androsopoulos for believing in Braided and making this possible.
2: Music in this episode by Jesse Sullivan and the Desolettes. That's Danny's band. Braided is supported by the JSS, Gandalf Philanthropy and the City of Yarra.
3: Let's talk. We are on IG at Artful underscore Dodgers. On Twitter at Braided Pot. And for more about the podcast, visit braidedpodcast.com.